Merry Christmas, church. Today, we're going to be lighting our third candle of Advent. If you've been listening along to the podcast for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the you know, the tradition of Advent and the coming of Christ and how some churches and families like to celebrate it by lighting four different Advent calendars. They put them in an Advent wreath. In week one, we talked about hope, the messianic hope of Jesus. If you missed that one, go back a couple weeks and you can listen to that podcast. Last week, we talked about the second candle, the candle of peace, which is all about shalom. It's not the kind of peace that the world is talking about. It's the kind of peace that comes from God, that that he makes us right with him. So once we can get right with God, then we can move on and we can we can feel inner peace because if God forgives us, then we should be able to forgive us. And then that, of course, impacts the the shalom that we bring into the world, especially at Christmas time, that we're peacemakers, that we're the kind of people that are sort of above the fray, um, that we don't take ourselves so seriously, but but we're willing to forgive other people because Christ has forgiven us. And so that was shalom from last week. And today we're going to talk about another one of these. Christmassy words, probably another one of these words that you will see in your decorations, in your kitchen, or in your living room at Christmas time. And we're going to talk today about joy. And I want to start with um, a passage from Luke chapter two. This will sound really familiar for those of you who know the Christmas story. In fact, you're probably going to be reading this at some point at church during your Christmas Eve service. Here's what it says Luke chapter two, verses eight to 11. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy. There it is. There's a word. I bring you good news that will bring you great joy to all all the people, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. So Christmas is supposed to be a time of joy. But the truth is, and maybe some of you listening to this feel this very acutely this year, Christmas times for some people is the hardest time to find joy. You know, for some of you, maybe Maybe you're overwhelmed with problems, and it's it's like Christmas time just magnifies all of those problems. Maybe you have financial burdens. Well, you're really going to feel it at Christmas time. Maybe you have relationship problems. Well, you're really going to feel that, obviously, at Christmas time. We talked about peace and reconciliation last week. Or maybe you just maybe you've lost a loved one in the last year. And so you're, you're saying, how am I supposed to find joy when we had such a difficult year? I just had a dear woman come up after church last week, and she just was just with tears in her eyes, weeping and talking about the loss of her husband just this last fall. And so I think for her and so many others like her, if you've experienced a loss like that this year or in the last couple of years, or even in the last decade. I mean, honestly, do you ever get over that? Christmas time is a time to remember that you're missing somebody, right? But for those who have really had a recent loss, joy is probably the last thing on your mind for Christmas. In fact, you're probably dreading Christmas. 
So today I want to define joy. Please don't turn the podcast off. I want you to keep listening, especially if you're overwhelmed right now. I want you to, I want you to take a new look at joy. I want you to try to understand what this is really about and why Jesus can bring joy into our lives, even when we've experienced all of these overwhelming problems. And I think we should start with a definition, because I think a lot of people think of joy as a feeling. You know, when you think of joy, you think of that per- that peppy person who's always jumping around, maybe that person at work or at the coffee shop or whatever, maybe that person in small group or at church who's just always smiling, always, it's just like it's there, it almost seems fake, maybe you know people like this, where where their joy is so overflowing that it seems fake, and you're thinking, is that what you're talking about? Are you saying that I have to be like that? I have to like just put on a happy face? Well, actually, no, not at all. The Bible doesn't say that we should do that. The Bible doesn't command us to just put on a happy face when we, even when we don't feel like it. So here's a more biblical definition of joy. Joy is not fundamentally a feeling. Joy is fundamentally a decision. Yep, you heard it right. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to let it sink in. Joy is fundamentally a decision. And I want to break that down today into two parts. The first thing is this. Joy is a decision to elevate God's promises over our problems. So there you are, you have problems, you have stressors, there are things in your life, and you have good reason to be sad. You have good reason to want to run from this concept of joy. And yet, God's word commands us to be joyful. It tells us that we have to be joyful. And so, why would God command us to have a feeling that we're not feeling? Well, he doesn't. He's not asking us to fake a feeling. What he's doing is he's inviting us to make a decision to elevate God's promises over our problems. When we have problems in our lives, we can either focus on those problems and let those things drag us down, or we can let those problems, we can let that, let that sadness or those stressors in our lives, we could let those things trigger in us the ability and the discipline of reflecting on God's promises. Let's look at some scripture that helps us to understand how this works. James 1 verse 2, it says there, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, now wait for it, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, I want to make sure you understand what what James is and is not saying here. James is not saying it is joyful. He's not saying when troubles of any kind come your way, how joyful is that? That's not what he's saying. He's telling us, here's what he's doing. He's telling us to make an unnatural decision. So let me read that again. Let me read that verse again. When troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. I mean, think about when troubles of any kind come your way, what do you know, what's your natural decision? Your natural decision is probably to get down in the dumps, to be sad about it, to be depressed about it, to get anxious about it, whatever. That's your natural decision. 
What James is telling us to do is that when those troubles come into our lives, when those problems show up, and they will, because God doesn't promise us a problem-free life. So if you're listening to, you know, a preacher on TV or on YouTube that says that, then turn turn them off and stop listening to them because God does not promise us a problem-free life. Okay? In fact, it's the opposite. He promises he promises us that they will come. I want to read that verse again. When troubles of any kind come your way. It doesn't say if troubles of any kind. He's like, you better expect it. It's going to happen. It's going to, your life is going to be filled with ups and downs. So just get ready for it. Here's how to get ready for it. When those troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Let those troubles be a trigger for you to elevate God's promises. Let those, let those problems redirect you to God. I mean, isn't it true that for many people, when trouble comes into their life, they bail on God? I mean, maybe even in your life, have you ever done that? When, when trouble comes into your life, do you bail on God? I remember years ago, I was di- you know, the doctors thought I had cancer. It was a really scary season for, for Tracy and myself. And I finally, at the end of the day, Tracy and I both just leaned into God all the more. You know, I think God used those troubles in our lives to draw us closer to him and to give us a deeper experience of joy and hope and peace. All these things we're talking about in this series in our lives. Now, how about you? When troubles come into your life, does that push you toward God or does that make you mad at God and now you want to bail on him? So again, let me say it again. Joy is a decision. It's not a feeling. It's a decision to elevate God's promises over our problems. That means that we're going to trust what God says more than what we see. It's so easy to trust what we see, the circumstance that we're in. It kind of reminds me of Peter. When Peter's out on the water, Jesus tells him to come out on the water. Peter starts walking on the water and everything's good. He's actually literally walking on the water like Jesus until he looks around at the storm. Can you relate to that? See, as long as Peter was focused on Jesus, he was fine. But as soon as he started focusing on the storm, that's when he, then he, that's when he sank. So joy is a decision to trust what God says, to take him at his word, to to look into his promises and know what he says, rather than trusting the circumstances that can fluctuate in our lives. God doesn't fluctuate. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. So he's an anchor in our lives. And that's where our joy really is rooted in. It's rooted in God himself. Now, the enemy is going to try to get us to focus on lies or half-truths, or he's going to want to get us to focus on our circumstances. That's just how he works. That's his, that's his strategy. So just be aware of it. Satan's been doing that since the very first couple, you know, Adam and Eve, Genesis 3. Remember, Satan comes to, to Eve and says, did God really say that you can't eat from any of these trees in the garden? And so he's twisting the truth for her. But notice what it says in Genesis 3. It says that Eve looked at the fruit and she trusted her eyes more than than trusting what God had already said. Isn't that what we can do? Is we focus on 
the stuff that we can see rather than trusting what God has already said. So joy is a decision that we make. We make this decision that I'm going to take God at his word, that I'm going to trust his promises, even in the midst of all the troubles and trials that are being thrown at me in my life. See, that's why Paul can say in Philippians 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. And he says, I'll say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. So it's almost like Paul is saying, hey, just zoom out. If you're having a hard time with joy, you just need to zoom out and realize that all of your problems in this life are temporary, that we know who's going to win. The Lord is coming soon. Like, just hang in there because God's promises are greater than the problems that you experience. So that's the first answer to this new definition of joy. Joy is a decision to elevate God's promises over our problems. But here's the second thing. Joy is a decision. Now get this. I really want you to pay attention to this. Joy is a decision to put yourself last, not first. It's so interesting to me. I mean, I think about the people in my life who struggle with depression. Now, look, I know I recognize that clinical depression is a thing. And I want to, I just want to make sure to make that disclaimer right now that some people struggle with depression, anxiety, and, and it's a, at a clinical level. And I'm not trying to make light of that, but I do believe, especially in America, because of the life that we live and how we have so much handed to us, I, I have noticed just observations. I have noticed that some of the most joyless people that I know are totally focused on themselves. I mean, they're, they're moping and complaining and whining because they're the center of their universe. And, and it's just, w- w- as long as you're the center of your universe, you're never going to have joy. Because joy is a decision to put yourself last, not first. Now, that's not going to feel natural to anybody. You know, nobody, nobody puts other people first. Now, some people maybe are a little bit more selfless than others. But the nature of sin is to think about ourselves first. And that's just how it works. I mean, I remember a time when our kids were little and we were at a picnic, a church picnic, and and I go over there and I grab the food, I grab my hot dog, my hamburger, I grab my food, and I sit at a table, I start chowing down, and I look up and I see my precious wife with two plates in her hand, one for our son, one for our daughter. She wasn't even making a plate for herself yet. And that was such a picture. Of I think what we all do. I'm ashamed to even tell that story, but it's just a picture that we're we're all just naturally focused on ourselves first. And so if if you want to experience joy, then put yourself last. In fact, I want to I want to introduce a cheesy acronym to you. It's cheesy, but it's memorable. Actually, it's really memorable. And it's just the acronym joy. J. O-Y. Okay, so the J starts with Jesus. Okay, put Jesus first. Remember we just said, joy is a decision to elevate God's promises over our problems. So put Jesus first. Say, I'm going to make him the priority in my life. I'm going to, I'm going to let him be the focus of my life. In fact, maybe it would be good for you with, a, with your family or your mentor or your small group to spend some time articulating the promises of God. You know, make a list and notice that these promises are going to get you to focus more on Jesus. These promises are going to are going to help you to be more Christ-minded. 
that you start with Jesus. Okay, so there's there's the J in joy. So start with Jesus, and then the O is stands for others. So next, you want to focus on others. Find somebody to serve. Next time you're struggling, next time you're depressed, next time you're discouraged, look outside. It might, it's not going to come natural, but look outside of you and find someone to serve. Go find a place to serve in your church. I promise you that your church doesn't have enough volunteers in some area. <laughs> go to kids' church. Go, to, go clean toilets. Go join the greeter team. Break out of the self-centered rut and focus on other people first. It's not going to be a natural thing, but man, it'll change your life. It'll totally change your life. Here's God's promise around this. Ephesians 6 verses 7 and 8. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember, the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do. So take that to the bank. God says he's going to reward you for being focused outwardly. And here's the, here's the thing I've learned is, is the reward is the serving. That is the reward. You're going to get more out of serving than the people that you serve. The same is true for mentoring. Everyone that I've ever encouraged to mentor someone, to disciple someone else, every single one of them says, I've gotten more out of this mentoring discipleship relationship than the person that I'm mentoring. That's just how it works. Paul said it in Galatians, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's not just a catchy phrase for your living room wall. That's the truth. You are more blessed when you give. You're going to experience more joy when you focus on others. So J-O-Y, joy starts with Jesus. O, it focuses on others next. And then finally, the Y, yep, you got it, stands for you. So you, now you come last. You put yourself last. And the crazy thing is, you're going to end up experiencing more joy because of it. Think about the most joyful person you know, like truly the most joyful person you know in your life. Are they self-centered? I bet you they're not. They're joyful and it's expressed in their service of others. And if, if you know them from church, that is probably also expressed in their connection to Jesus. That's what joy's about. It starts with Jesus, focuses on others, and then you come last. And man, does it change everything for you. Now, so I want to just finish up today's episode by talking about feelings, okay? Because Remember, what we're saying in this lesson is that joy isn't fundamentally a feeling. Joy is fundamentally a decision. Joy is a decision that you make to elevate God's promises over your problems. It's a decision that you make to put yourself last, not first. So are feelings ever a part of the equation? Well, yes, actually they are, but they come at the end. I mean, it's Christmas time, so think about the Polar Express. Think about like a train. Feelings are the caboose, not the engine. The engine is your decision, right? That's the engine, that you're making a decision to be joyful. And what happens in time is the feelings show up. Over time, our decisions will drive our feelings. So let's go back to James chapter 1, verse 2, and let's look at that verse again. Remember it said, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What does that mean? 
that means that joy is going to come down the road. That troubles are what you're experiencing now, okay? And you're going to. It's a promise. It's a when. It's not an if. Troubles are going to come your way. You're going to have some of these struggles that are magnified in the Christmas season. Those financial burdens, maybe those relationship problems or, or heightened depression or anxiety or just that sadness for that loved one that you lost. Look, those things, those things are troubles that are bound to come into our lives, but they're opportunities for joy. That if we make the decision now to trust God in the midst of it, if we make the decision now to look outward and to put ourselves last and not, not to be so self-absorbed, then all of that stuff is an opportunity for great joy in the future. It's not joy yet, but the feelings will come down the road. That's the promise from God's word. But I want to say one more thing about all of this so that you don't get the wrong idea. Joy is not rooted in your decision. Joy is rooted in a person, a specific person, the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus. Again, Luke 2, what did it say? The angel said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And then look at what he says next. It's, it's all about the person. The Savior, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today. The person of Jesus is where our joy comes from. I don't want you to walk away from this episode with the idea that if you're just better at making decisions, that you'll have joy. I think if you walk away with that idea, you've missed, you've kind of missed the point. The reason that that works, the reason that joy is a decision that eventually leads to feelings of joy, the reason for that is because that's just how Jesus made it to work. The reason for that is because we have hope in Jesus. The reason for that is that Jesus, Jesus is the Savior, that Jesus is the Messiah. The reason is that Jesus changed everything 2,000 years ago when he entered the world. That's what Advent candle number three is all about.